You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. So how's everybody doing? Everybody doing okay? Is there singles in the house tonight? <laughs> you know, my wife and I, we like hanging out with singles. There's a lot of uh, things that we do. We go to plays, uh, movies, out to eat, and what have you. And uh, we enjoy hanging out with the singles, even though we are in the marriage ministry at GLB. Um, we also um, are in the shepherd's ministry. We have a shepherd's ministry at the GLB, and we're a part of the shepherd's ministry. And uh, we also lead the Financial Freedom Ministry, which was launched in September of last year. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, like Marco was saying, we're really passionate about helping people with their finances. We, got, we were trained with uh, financial, uh, Crown Financial Money Map Coaching in June of 2009. And uh, we've been meeting with people across ministries to help them build a biblical foundation for their finances. And so that's what our passion is. And uh, I just want to say right up front um, to Marco, thank you for um, allowing us to speak. Uh, we're honored. Um, we don't think we're worthy to do this, but you, uh, you, I got the phone call, and when Marco calls you, just get ready. <laughs> just get ready. And so um, let's see. So, And this is my beautiful wife, Nicole, of eight and a half years. And um, I tell you, if... Is, is there anybody in, out here that is planning or have aspirations to get married sometime? Okay. I want to say one thing. <laughs> whatever you do, whatever you do, don't give up. I was single for 50 years. 49. I'm... Oops. Oh. I was... Uh, thank you. No, that's not, that's not Like I was saying, I was single for, for 49 years, and, you know, when the time is right, when, when it's God's time, it'll come. So just stay faithful. So there's two points, really, that I want to make tonight. Um, I'm sure a lot of us have been through um, Crown Financial. I, I, don't, I know that at the GLB we went through a series of Crown Financial training um, as, a, as a ministry, as, I mean, as a church. And sometimes we can get focused on just our personal finances. But what I want to do is zoom out. I want to, there's two objectives that I have for tonight. One, I want to give you the big picture of finances and, and how it plays in your life. And second, I want to go over nine key financial principles and, and just talk a little bit about them and, and share some experiences that, that we've had. Uh, there's, there's one thing reading scripture, but it, it's really powerful when you see scripture actually lived out in situations in your life. And I'm going to share a couple of situations that I've had experience uh, where the scriptures actually just lived out in my life. So the first thing I, I, I want to talk about is, let me, let me go back some. You guys awake? Okay. All right, first thing I want to do is this. Let's just forget about, um, you know, um, specifically your personal finances for a minute. Let's just talk about what the Bible, what is in the Bible regarding finances. Okay, has anybody read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations? <clears throat> okay, if you haven't, I, I would recommend that you do this. It's an amazing story. The Bible has amazing stories in it. More people have read the Bible than any other book. More than War and Peace, more than uh, The Grapes of Wrath, more than The Great Gatsby, any book. I mean, when you go into a hotel and you look in the bedstand and you look in the, in the drawer, what's in there? The Bible. Okay, the Bible's amazing. And I believe that God has put everything in the Bible that we need to know. You, when you look at uh, Revelations 22, it talks about um, if anybody takes away takes words away or adds words to this prophecy, talking about Revelation, they will, be, they will get the seven plagues that, that is talked about in Revelation. So I believe that God put in the Bible what we need to know. And what's amazing is when you look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, 
there is so many situations, so many parables, so many scriptures, so many stories where financial principles is either the main point or a secondary point. So what I want to do is just go a, a quick, quick run through the Bible and just pick out some of the uh, stories that have these biblical um, financial principles in them and just to lay the, um, the groundwork so you can see why we have these series, why uh, Marco had this, these, um, these lessons on, on finances and things like that. So if we go to um, Genesis, let's go to Genesis. Um, <clears throat> let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And uh, we're going to start uh, reading on, at verse, on verse 8. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. <clears throat> in the middle of the garden were the three, was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first river is the Fison. It it winds through the entire land of, of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic, resin, and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river, the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Shur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So when you look at this, you look at God. He created man, and he created woman and he put them in a perfect environment he put them in the garden of uh, of eden they had everything that they needed some of the commentary talks about um, what god created for man what kind of living uh, situation you know they said the sky was was adam's roof and and no no ceiling in any palace that solomon had was as beautiful as the sky that that um, adam had and the ground and everything else was, was so perfect. And you think about it, there was no other human beings, right? Adam and Eve. They basically could do, I mean, you know, take care of the ground, um, uh, cultivate, and, and basically do almost, you know, anything that they want to do, except, as you all know, you know, not to take fruit off of this certain tree. But they weren't content with that. <laughs> they weren't content with that. It wasn't like they had neighbors that had a bigger garden and they could say, hey, I want a bigger garden. I want to do an add-on to this or, or whatever. It was just them. But they weren't content with what God had put them in. So looking at our lives, are we content with the situation or the lot in life that God has given us? God, you know, we have to really look at that and think about, you know, God has put all of us in certain situations. He's given this person this job making this money, this person another job, making another amount of money, we all should be joyful in what God has, has given us. And so that's, uh, you know, you look at Adam and Eve, and were they content with what God gave them? No, they wanted more. And then we all know what happened. Okay, so let's go to Genesis 4. Everybody with me? So Genesis 4, everybody's read the story of Cain and Abel, right? Everybody knows what happened. First recorded murder, right? First recorded murder in the Bible, Cain and Abel. So we look at uh, verse, we look at verse, uh, let's start on, on verse, uh, I think it's three. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of his fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked, favor, looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door it desire, <clears throat> desires to have you, but you must master it. So here we see a financial principle of giving. 
what heart did Abel have in giving? What heart did Cain have in giving? And what was the result of Cain not giving with the right heart? He murdered his brother. Okay, so how does that relate to us? Notice what it says here. It says, um, God says to him, um, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. You guys, giving, and I'm going to talk about this a lot later, and I'm going to share some things with you. As Marco said, giving has a profound effect on your walk with God. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive, and it's true. It's better to give than to receive, and it, it does. It has, it has a profound um, effect on your walk with God. Um, so here's a situation of the financial principle of giving and how it affected Cain in, in his situation. Um, now, in Genesis uh, 4, 28, 36, 39, 40, 46, and 57, we're not going to read that, but that's a story about Joseph. You guys know the story of Joseph? You know how Pharaoh put him in charge of basically everything because he was the one that um, read into the, the dream that he had. Now, you know, he dreamed about five fat calves and, and five um, uh, uh, thin and, and weak calves, right? And how one ate the other. And then he interpreted it as seven years of famine and seven years of, of plenty. Well, that's a great, read it when you get a chance. That's a great scripture and a great story with respect to saving. As you all know, we're going to have times in our lives where there's, there's plenty and there's not plenty, Right? And saving, putting away money periodically each time you get paid is important for those times where there's famine. So that's a, a financial um, uh, uh, principle with respect to that story of, of Joseph. And then we have debt. Let's go to 2 Kings 4. Everybody's still awake, right? Okay, all right. Still awake, still awake. 2 Kings Okay, so now we're going to talk about um, a story that deals with debt. Okay, so this is the widow's oil. Has everybody read that before, this story? Okay, it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And then it talks about how Elijah gave her instructions on what to do to pay off her debt. And, of course, God supernaturally enabled her to pay off her debt. But if you notice, she's left, she's on her own, and her husband had debt. And now there's a threat that they're going to come, the creditors are going to come and take their, their, her kids away. You know anybody that that's happened to in real life because they were in debt so much? This applies to today. This doesn't just apply to, to back then. Um, we're going to talk about a scripture regarding debt and how you can be, uh, you can be a slave to the, to the borrower, I mean to, the, um, to the, um, the lender. And so debt is something that God doesn't want us to be in. He wants us to avoid debt because he knows how it can, you can become a slave to it, and that can affect your walk with God also. So there's another financial principle in a story that's in the Bible. And then, you know, in the Bible, there were some really, um, there, there was events that were um, crucial events. There are events that changed the world. And finances was a big part, believe it or not, a financial principle was a big part in the events that led up to the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And they were, they were financial principles. Let's go to John 2, 12. John 12. Okay, so John 12. Okay, I'm going to start in... I'm going to start in verse 3. Is everybody there? Okay, it says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. 
But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as a keeper of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. Now, I don't know about you guys. Now, picture this, okay? So you're one of the 12, right? And Jesus says, you're going to take care of our money. And he gives you the money bag. Jesus does. He gives you the money bag. Thank you, bro. And, and, and he says, you're responsible for our money, right? Now, I don't know about you guys, but that would convict me. That would convict me because this is Jesus' money. This is the disciples' money. So what was Judas doing? He was, when he saw something he wanted, he was, he was dipping into the money of the disciples. He was one of the 12, and he was dipping into the money. Now, I don't know if Peter knew it. I don't know if the other disciples knew it, but I tell you this, I know Jesus knew he was doing it. And it's interesting, some commentary said that Judas was purposely given that responsibility because of his sin, because of his, I guess his desire, pull, or whatever it is. He was given this responsibility, right? It's supposed to, it's, it's all to, you know, for the scriptures to happen, for the events to happen in a certain way. But here's Judas. He's stealing money from Jesus. Now, that, that's convicting. But, you know, the thing about it is, today, it's kind of like the same situation. Jesus has given us the money we have. And we're going to be called accountable of how we managed it, whether we were good stewards of what God gave us. And so... That's another financial principle. So let's go ahead and go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. So Judas, we know, had a propensity to steal money from the disciples and from Jesus. So we look at Matthew 26 and verse 14, and it says, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me? If I hand them over to you. So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So not only was he stealing money from, from, from Jesus and the disciples, but he said, Hey, how much are you going to, what are you going to give me to turn them over to you? Now, certain commentaries said Judas didn't hate Jesus, he didn't have a, a grudge or a chip on his shoulder. He just had a love for money. He had a love for money, and he turned in someone he was rubbing elbows with, basically, for three years in Jesus' ministry, stealing money from him, and then telling the priest, how much? How much are you going to give me? And for 30 silver coins, he gives up Jesus. And then we all know what happened after that. So these are just some of the financial principles in the Bible. There's more. But my, the, the picture that I want you guys to see is this. It must have been important enough for God to put it in the Bible, right? Why would he put it in there if we don't need to know that? It's just, I just want to fill up the pages, right? He, he put it in there for a reason. And I, I know to me, and hopefully to you, anything that's important to God is important to me. So... Um, so that's the picture. When we look at all these, this training that we're getting and, and these financial um, seminars and all this other stuff, it's for an important reason. So now what I want to do now is I want to go through nine financial principles. Now, on this, scripture, on this right here, 1 Chronicles 29, um, it tells us that God owns everything, Right? We have to have that mentality, and we have to remember, while we're being good stewards of our finance, that God owns everything. A good scripture to read is Job. Anybody read the book of Job? In the book of Job, we see, you know, he was, in his day, he was a, 
I don't know if he was a Bill Gates, but he was rich. He had, you know, goats, all, you know, all, all the stuff that was of value back then, he had a lot of it. Had children, a wife, had everything, right? And, of course, you know that um, Satan came to get permission from God to basically made a bet with him, basically, saying, if you let me at him for a, a period of time, he won't be faithful to you, he won't be devoted to you. And so God gave him permission to a certain extent to do what you want. Killed his family, took all of his wealth away, put boils from head to toe on him, right? Now, Satan only was able to do that because God let him do it, because God's in control, right? And then we all know at the end, God didn't just restore what he had. God restored twice what he had before. So this, this is a good book to read with respect to this financial principle of God being in control and, and being his, the money is all his, and he can do as he pleases with it. Okay, so the first uh, key principle for building a, a biblical foundation for your finances is in Matthew 6.24. Let's go to Matthew 6.24. You guys still awake, right? Still awake? Come on now. Okay. Matthew 6, in verse 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the first principle, establish a godly priorities. Money and finances was never meant to be our sole focus, our, our, our 90% or 95% focus in our life. It's just a tool. Money is just a tool. And God wants us to be responsible. He wants us to use money to strengthen his church, to provide for yourself, to give to the poor and needy. It's not supposed to be your everything in your walk with God. It's supposed to just be a, a tool. That's what it's supposed to be. The priority is God's kingdom. Okay, just a second here. Okay, so let's go to the next one. All right, the key principle for building a a biblical foundation for your finances, live within your means. Let's go to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Can anybody relate to this? Can you relate to this, living within within your means? I, uh, I grew up in Long Beach, California. I went to Woodrow Wilson High School. I graduated in 1975. I lived in Bixby Estates on 7th Street across from Cal State. We had a two-story house. We had a basement. We had a swimming pool. And our neighbors had swimming pools. We used to jump at night, sneak over the fence, and swim in our neighbor's swimming pool and go to another one. I know how it is. I know how... California is. I know how it is. It's just since I came here in the 60s, people have been living above their means. People have been in debt. It's just the California way of living. You know, if I can afford a $20,000 car, I'm going to get a $40,000 car. I mean, it's just, it's just something about California, living, not living within your means. Okay, Philippians 4 In verse 11, it says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now my wife is going to share. Good evening, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having us here tonight. We're very excited. This is our first official, you know, lesson in the financial ministry. So, <laughs> um, but I could really relate to this scripture uh, because, you know, life circumstances change all the time. Uh, it could be a loss of job. It could be a divorce. It could be your roommate leaving, and. In my life, I've gone through several different situations. Um, when I was single, 
Um, I, I was working at McDonnell Douglas back then, which is now Boeing, had a full-time job, great career. And, and then I got married, had two kids, wanted to raise my kids, so I basically took my family leave and stayed on leave uh, so I can raise my kids, and then I went through a divorce. And from there, um, I had to go back to work, so I was working part-time, trying to get back into work full-time. So and during those times, you know, you can see where, you know, everything was great, had a great job and stuff, and then life circumstances change. You know, it can happen to anybody in different situations. So during that time, I really had to adjust my lifestyle um, in, in different situations, whether it's, you know, sacrificing, you know, um, I used to always sit in the house in the dark so I don't have to waste electricity, you know, trying to conserve, right, you know, keep the electric bill down, cut out the cable bill, rarely went to the movies, rarely went out eating anymore, so, because I really had to, you know, save my pennies, because I had to pay for health insurance for my kids, and I had to, I was able to keep my house, so I had to pay the mortgage still, and, and then there was daycare costs, which was extraordinary pricing these days. So, but in all of that, you know, um, I did have a grateful attitude because I did have family that supported me, you know, and I also was able to keep the house. So I had a roof over my head and my kid's head. And so, you know, and even though different circumstances, God always still wants us to be joyful and cheerful, you know, and that's um, going back to, you know, just being content. And also, you know, God will always take care of you in any situation that you might come across and the great thing about it is you know going back to work full-time you know I was able to get a good job with benefits and that's where I actually met Yolanda Dietrich most of you guys know who met me and now I'm a disciple so it all works out (laughs) okay the next financial principle we're going to talk about is budgeting you guys got a mouthful in budgeting right you guys, what Marco said, I think, for a week, and that is true. You can spend a long time uh, with budgeting. Um, one thing that I noticed uh, um, in meeting with people regarding their finances, both people talking to me and people that I overheard talking, um, I heard people say that, you know, I know how to do a budget, so I'm good to go with my finances. I, I know how to do a budget. And I thought about that, and I said, you know, that's almost like, you know, you ever study with somebody or talk to somebody about the Bible and about salvation, and they said, um, oh, I've been baptized, so I'm a disciple. And you go, oh, okay, all right. So now, did you repent before you were baptized? Repent? What is, what is that? Or, I've heard, I've heard God's word, and I believe. So, I'm, say, I'm good to go. And it's, okay, well, that's part of it. But then you have to repent, be baptized. Say, budgeting is the same way. Budgeting is a part of your financial picture. You can know how to budget and still not be a good steward of your finances. Budgeting is something that, again, it's instructions, it's a tool. It, it lets you know what you're making and where it's going. And, uh, and so, again, that, that's one part of the whole financial picture. My wife wants to share something again. Um, In meeting with people um, on their personal finances and in helping them establish a budget, you know, one thing that we really stress is simple is better. You know, because sometimes we meet with some people and they have this extraordinary budget and very complicated with numbers here and on this fancy spreadsheet and everything. And it's kind of overwhelming sometimes. And, you know, a lot of people really don't like budgeting, but it's kind of a necessary thing if you want to be a good steward of your finances. So what we really emphasize is, you know, be simple. That way, if it's something simple, it's easy to follow and easy to stick to. And, um, you know, we, cu- we kind of think of budget as a two-step process. You know, you have the monthly income and expense statement that gives you like a macro view of your finances, right? But a lot of people say, okay, that's great. I've got this budget. I can see, you know, whether I'm balanced and stuff. But how do I apply this in my day-to-day life? I mean, how do I, you know, break this down, you know? So we've come up with what we call a working budget, which is more of a day-to-day budgeting sheet where we actually allocate your paycheck to, you know, you get paid twice a month or so, you get that allocated 
you know, we allocate the bills to whichever paycheck you get. So you can really work on it on a month-to-month basis because sometimes you have bills that come up every other month or annual bills. So they're like, how do I put that into my monthly budget? So when you have a working budget, it really helps to clarify things and, again, to make things simple. Yeah, budgeting, you know, like Marco said, you know, you can spend a week on budgeting to do it right. Um, and, again, um, simplicity is very important. You don't want to complicate it because you've got to stick to it. You've got to stick with it. And the, le- the less complicated it is, the more likely you're going to stick with it. But I want you to remember three things, if you can get your pen out, three things about budgets. If you can remember this, you're well on your way regarding budgeting. The first thing is simple. Simple, simple, simple. That's the first thing. Make it as simple as possible. The next thing is this, and get this one right. Get this one right. Pay God first. And then, and a lot of people know that, but a lot of people don't know the third one. The third one is pay yourself. So when you're doing your, when we do budgets with people, you know what we do? We sit down, and again, I could spend a week on just talking about what I'm going to say now. We find out what their gross income is. We find out how much they make, right? Then we go through a a procedure, and we find out how much is going to God. That's the first thing that we do. The second thing we do is we put money in the savings. This is on the sheet. In the savings for the person. Then we do the budget. And I know you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, how do you... How do you do that? But you got to remember, simple, pay God first, and pay yourself second. And you're, you're well on your way regarding budgeting. Okay, the next one is, ooh, what is that? That's lockdown, right? Let's, get, let's go to Proverbs 22.7. Does anybody have a lock on their credit card? You don't have one? I've heard of people putting their credit card in a glass of water and putting it in, or in a cup of water and putting it in the freezer and freezing it. That way when they have the urge to use it, they have to wait till it thaws out and maybe they'll think about whether they have to use it. You laugh, but it works. All right? Proverbs 16.3. <laughs> Proverbs 16.3. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Now, this should be a note. 22-7? Did I say 22-7? Oh, I'm sorry, 22-7, right? 22-7. My, my bad. My bad. It's these electronic devices, man. They're just... Okay, 22-7. Just as the rich rule the poor... So the borrower is servant to the lender. Do you, you, guys, you guys know what this is saying? I, okay, so I go to B of A and I say, I want to borrow $20,000. So when I borrow that $20,000, that's their money. So basically, you know, I'm a servant to them. How am I serving them? Well, if I don't pay that right back, I'm paying interest on it. I'm serving them. I'm give, I'm, I'm, they're using me to give them money. That's what it is. You know, we've, uh, we've uh, met with people that um, have graduated from college that are $120,000, $140,000 in debt. They are really serving the bank or wherever they have the, 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 bar, the money from. That's what we're doing. We're serving. We're serving the, the, the lenders. And uh, they love it. They don't want you to pay off the debt. Because that's how they make their money. They want you to be in debt. That's almost like why you have to, the way to get credit is to borrow and be in debt and be paying on it. It doesn't matter if you pay it off. Just as long as you're paying on debts, you can get good credit. But the th- See, that's where Satan throws in that monkey wrench is once you get in the debt, it starts spiraling to where you can't get out of it unless you make a drastic change. Okay, and our big thing is to avoid debt gimmicks. 
You guys heard that no interest for 24 months? You know, <laughs> look at the fine print. Because a lot of times is if you don't pay it in 24 months, that interest goes all the way back to day one. And you got to pay it. Uh, there's also a lot of rewards, and that's really big right now. Is uh, Here you get uh, rewards points for this and rewards points for that, you know. And then discounts. I get emails all the time from all these different stores, you know, 15% off, 20% off, 40% off, you know. It looks great, but those are all temptations, temptations to get you to spend, 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 right? I'm getting a deal, though. It's on sale, right? How many of us justify that? <laughs> Ooh, okay. So, so you want to try to avoid those gimmicks, you know, the, the, the social media is trying to get you to do. And some of us look at debt or, or the credit cards. Well, I need to establish my credit. You know, I'm, I'm coming out, you know, starting off life, i got to establish my credit. But the thing about it is, is you know, yeah, you do, but the, you don't have to have, you know, a carrying balance of $10,000 to establish your credit. You know, basically, you know, if you take it, you use your, your credit card responsibly, you pay for something, you pay it off. And that works. That works. You know, there are certain circumstances where you do need a credit card sometimes, especially in today's world, uh, when you make a hotel reservation, a car rental, if you're going to rent some equipment or something like that, you may need a credit card. Um, I'm a sales uh, person. I, I, you know, um, take care of the whole Western part of the United States in my sales position, and I travel a lot. And they don't issue us a credit card. We have to use our own credit card and then get reimbursed. So in those terms, you have to be very responsible. So what we do is we have our credit card, and then I have my credit card that I use specifically for my business, and I don't mix the two. And, and even with that, because my company is not going to pay interest, okay? <laughs> They're not going to pay the interest portion. So I have to be responsible to, you know, re get my reimbursements in and pay the credit card off. You know, so, and um, avoid getting multiple credit cards. Like there's like Navy, Old Navy credit card, you know, Victoria's Secret credit card, Sears credit card, Visa card, right? Just get one universal credit card if you have to use one because uh, it's so much easier to manage. Uh, you know, you don't have uh, so many different rewards. You know, you can have it all on one. And then don't charge unless you have the money to pay it off. I just want to finish up the debt, debt one with the um, experience that I had with someone. Um, I, I was trying to tell a, a, a brother um, that God doesn't want us to be in any debt, but the debt to continue to love one another. And he said, but Vince, there's good debt. You know, this is in the world mentality. There's good debt. And I said, oh, what, what do you mean by good debt? Well, I got a college education, which is going to help me get a better job. So that's good, right? I go, absolutely. Getting a college education is good. The debt is bad. <laughs> and, and the concept, though, I was trying to get him to see is, you know, when I went to college and got my degree, I had a student loan debt, and I, I paid it off. I think mine was like $3,000. It wasn't a lot. And this was back in the day. This was back in the day. And, 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 and wait, one other thing, though. I saved before, I was in the military, and I saved before I went, but I went out of state. I went to college in Michigan. So um, the point I was trying to get, to him, get him to see is pursuing a college education and getting it is good. The debt that you incur by doing that, that's, that's bad. That's what God wants you to hurry up and pay off or get rid of. Okay, so let's go to the next one. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 3.27, um, I don't have a lot to say on that, but it says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, when it is in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. So my wife wants to say something again. Okay, and one of the deaths that you really have to be careful with is... Um, what I call personal debt, debt to friends and family. Uh, because those are the people that we kind of put to the wayside because they don't charge us interest, right? So we want to pay off our other debts before we pay them off, and, right? And so, um, and the thing about it is in their generosity, they lent you the money or, or what have you, so you can't 
take advantage of that situation. And I remember one time, my sister, who's not here today, she's on a business trip, but uh, <laughs> she, uh, she's in the singles ministry, Clarissa Jones, put a plug. Um, but she had lent me some money back in the day, and, and so, but I, was, I thought I was doing great because I was paying her back. You know, I was making my monthly payments to pay her back and stuff. But in my job, I get bonuses, and this is earlier on in my career. And so I got this nice chunk of bonus, so I'm, like, putting it away and, and making my little payments to her. And then we read this scripture, you know, where it says, if you have the means to pay it, pay it. And then we were, like, really convicted. We're like, well, you know what? We have the money. Why don't we pay her off? You know, why am I paying her monthly payments, right? I'm sure she could use the money, you know. So, yeah, so we're like, okay, well, you know, we repented and, you know, gave her one check. Here, you're done. You know, I paid you off, right? Um, but, and you really have to be careful with that because their relationships can be at the least strained, at the worst ruined in these situations, so. And one last thing about pain, you know, especially when a brother or sister lends you something, pay them back as soon as you can get the money, as soon as you get it. Um, okay, let's go to Second uh, Timothy there's the Bible right there. Okay, in 2 Timothy, it says in verse 16, 2 Timothy 3, 16, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It, is, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is the NLT version. So basically, the scripture is our instruction. It equips us to have, uh, to be good stewards of the finances that God has given us. Okay. Okay, Matthew 7. Let's go to Matthew 7, 24. You know, in the world... There's uh, people who you can go to to teach you how to invest your money. There's people that can go to you, uh, I mean, that you can go to that will help you about a lot of things about your finances. Um, the thing about it is, is no matter what you decide to do with your finances, if you're not building your finances on God's word, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall down. At some point or another, it's going to fall. And it says in verse uh, Matthew 7:24, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Um, I've been working for 42 years. I started working when I was 16. I'm 58 now. I've seen people crash. I've seen it happen. And, you know, God's word is, is, is going to help us to not have to experience that. Um, and so, you know, make sure that you build your finances on God's word because if you're not, you're building it on sand. And winds are going to come, 2008 recession. You may get fired. You may get laid off. You may lose your job, whatever the case may be. Okay, let's go to the next scripture. Okay, saving, Proverbs 6, uh, 6, 8. Regularly save a portion of your income. Remember, pay God first and pay yourself second. Did you have something? So everybody's heard the saying, save for a rainy day, right? Because everybody has a rainy day, sooner or later. And I just wanted to share, um, like a couple years ago uh, at our house, we found termites. And if anybody's ever had their house tented, it's not cheap. <laughs> and so, and then after we took care of the termites, then we found a leak on one of our bathroom pipes. And and, we, and it was, there was water, like, gushing out for how long? I have no idea because it was underneath the house. And we had to actually repipe the whole house. And, yeah, we have rainy days, but some days it outright pours 
Okay? So, and this is why it's so important to save, save part of your income, right? Because without the savings, how else are we going to pay for that? You know, we, you know, it's credit card or, or line of credit, and then we're right back into debt. So it's very important to really save. Okay, the last principle. Oops. Did I turn it on? It did? Okay, we're, we're coming up down here. <laughs> That's the signal, right? This is our last one, our last financial principle. We've got to be out there. What time do we have to be? Right now? Okay. 901, huh? Okay, so anyway, the last one is um, the, the financial principle of giving. In Proverbs 11.24, it reads, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You guys, this is a, this is a, um, a principle that's really close to my heart. I've seen that uh, how giving can affect your, your walk with God. Also, um, during the time that I've worked, I've invested in silver, gold, platinum, stocks, bonds. I bought a condo. There is no investment. There is no investment that is give you better returns than giving. And you say, well, wait a minute. No, okay, so if I have $10 and I give $5, then I only have $5. How can giving be a good investment? I'll tell you why it can be a good investment. Because 4 plus 2 to God equals 5,000. 4 plus 2 to us is 6. But math doesn't apply to God. He fed 5,000 people with four loaves of bread and two fish. I've seen it in my own life where the more that you give, the more that God gives. We've given, you know, we give, God outdoes us. We give more, God outdoes us. Giving has been, I've never been, I've the, some of the best quiet times, you might say, that I've had with God was when it was me, a person I was giving to, and God. Nobody else. I felt closest to God. Also, God is watching. You, there's a scripture that talks about the person that's asking you for money could be an angel and you don't know it. Let me tell you, okay, I work downtown L.A. across from the LAPD, and I go for walks doing lunch. And a lot of times I go for walks in areas where there's attorneys and you know, uh, uh, law enforcement and stuff like that. And I was walking down the street, and everybody's walking back and forth, and I saw this homeless guy on the corner, and I, um, I like to go up and not just give somebody some money and walk by. I li- walk away. I like to ask them what their name is, how they kind of got in the situation, and then give them some money or buy them something to eat. So I went up to this guy, and um, I, I was getting my wallet out, and I said, so what's your name, and what, what, why are you here today? And, you know, there's people walking by us on the street. I think it was Grand Avenue or something like that. And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, I'm here to make sure. And and he said it like he said, I'm here to make sure that you guys is that you guys are focused on the right thing. And I I said, wow. And I get and, and and I gave him I gave and, and I did, it didn't hit me at the time but I gave him the money and when I was walking away, you know I was kind of down the street a little ways and I looked back and he was looking at me and, and I said I said you know that that could have been an angel you, you don't know God is watching us there's another situation at at Yogurtland where. I was going to get something to eat, and I wasn't having a good day. The last thing I wanted to do was to give. And um, I sat down with some yogurt at Yogurtland, and a, a homeless lady came up and asked me for some money, and I said, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have any. And so, she, and so she started walking away, and God just, it's like the Holy Spirit said, Vince, and it's like this was a two-second repentance. I said, okay, ma'am. 
are you hungry? And she said, yes. So I said, can I get you something to eat? She said, okay. I said, where do you want to go, yogurt land? She said, yogurt land's fine. So I took her in there to the counter. She got yogurt. She piled it up. She got yogurt, <laughs> which was good. I said, she, she put some on. And I said, put more on, put more on. And so she walked up, and I told the lady, I'm paying for that. And so I paid it, and she said, thank you, and she walked out. And so I said, amen. I, you know, my, my heart, I felt really good. So I went, and I opened the door, and someone grabbed me from behind. Someone grabbed me from behind, and I turned around. I was startled, and I turned around, and it was a family was there. I saw them out the corner of my eye, but a family was there. A lady with her three kids were there, and one of her kids, saw, her, her family saw what I did, and her kid came up and grabbed me around the waist and said, thank you for doing that. Now, I know that that was God because I had a, a kind of a hard heart when I sat down because it was a rough day, and then I repented, and I, you know, and it was like God was saying, good job, Vince, good job. And so that's two incidents, but God is watching us. He's watching us. He's watching if we're giving with a, with a uh, cheerful heart or if we're not giving with a cheerful heart. Um, and so, again, um, you know, giving is something that is very important. Don't think of it as the more I give, the less I'll have. Think of it as, one, you're putting treasures in heaven, and two, God says, you know, you give generously – you're going to come about more. And I've seen it happen in my life. And so I know, I know that it's true. Trust God. Don't, 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 don't feel anxious about if I give more, then I'll have less. Because, again, math doesn't apply to God. It doesn't apply to God. That's, That's all that I have. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.